Welcome to Rocco Radio. I'm Jason Bryan, and you're listening to The Big Interview. Apart from our verdant interest in the banking industry, Rocco is about to start research on carrier billing. And before we start, we were eager to learn more about the micropayments industry. Well, you might ask, what is a micropayment? Well, it's simply a financial transaction involving a small sum of money. In this week's big interview, James Williams is in Marbella, Spain, at the World Telemedia event. While he was there, he had the chance to interview Rory Maguire, Managing Director of AIM. AIM is a trade association for the interactive media and micropayment industries in the UK. In his interview with James Williams, Rory shares interesting insights into the world of micropayments and the objectives of AIM. Our specialisation is getting people around the table, so competitors and different companies from different sectors of our membership, getting around the table, talking about issues that affect everybody or even opportunities that everybody can get involved in. Hello, this is James Williams here in Marbella at World Telemedia 2017. I have the pleasure to be joined by Rory Maguire, who is... Uh, hello, I'm the uh, Managing Director of the Association for Interactive Media and Micropayments, or AIM for short, which is a lot easier. Uh, it's certainly you, Rory, yeah. you can find us on www.aimm.co uh, for lots of information about our, our uh, organisation. We are a UK-based trade association that looks after both the commercial and the regulatory interests of all of our members, and our members comprise of uh, UK TV and radio broadcasters, mobile operators, fixed line operators, intermediaries who work with the operators and provide services for, uh, for these companies who provide services for consumers digital content merchants and charities. That's a rather wide remit. <laughs> yeah. It's an extremely wide remit. <laughs> and so I can be discussing gift aid with a charity in one minute and then discussing uh, age verification with a digital content provider in, in another minute. So, it's, uh, so how many members have you got? Uh, we have 63 companies. And within those companies, our total quantity of members is about 200 people. Uh, within those companies. So do companies sign up like to a code of conduct as uh, co- sorry, a code of conduct like uh, WASPA in South Africa? Is it it's very is it a similar setup to that? Yes, our main code of conduct for members because they already work under uh, copious amounts of regulations and That's true, in the UK rather, that really is, yeah. Rather than layer another one on top of them is is really to be friendly to each other, uh, even though they may sit across the table from a competitor. Being nice to your competitor can actually earn you some dividends and rewards in terms of actually having good dialogue about common issues and common problems rather than uh, spitting, spitting bullets across the table. So that's mainly our code of conduct is, uh, is be nice, be fair, don't do anything that will tilt the playing field in a particular direction that could be considered to be out of the sort of uh, ethos of being friendly across the Totally across agree, because we need sustainability in this industry. And I think what I've been seeing the past two days here at World Telemedia 2017 is there's so many players in this, we're here predominantly for carrier billing, and there's so many players in this carrier billing industry. And the average person on the street does get hit fairly regularly from, it could be fake traffic issues, fraudulent issues. and that has to be taken, it has to be removed for the sustainability and it mirrors very much the industry where I've historically come from which is ATP SMS where, where grey routes were very prevalent but thankfully the industry's woken up and it's moving more towards true direct connections. Yep. 
sustainability. Yes, we've seen a massive impact on mainly affiliate marketing causing issues with consumers, which then cause issues for the mobile operators who have to deal with those consumers. I'm talking today about the cost of dealing with consumer complaints as far outweighs the margins that mobile operators are making from the Yeah, I'll be joining you later for that as well, and I totally agree. I think people do forget that, and whereas before, as I mentioned, the ATP SMS world, you may have a customer that's bringing in a decent amount of margin, but if so many complaints are being generated, there may be single user issues in the ATP SMS world or fraudulent issues in the carrier billing world, that takes an inordinate amount of time from an organisation staff and that costs a lot of money. So it may actually be the case that it's actually not worth doing business with that company. And yeah. it's, it, so cleaning it up absolutely is valuable yes. industry as a whole. Our objective is to make sure there's a level playing field uh, and a fair and pragmatic operational environment. And when you see issues, you then see the big sledgehammer comes out either from the regulator or the uh, network operators. Yeah. They uh, screw down to control those issues and that affects all the good players as well as all the bad players. So the bad players are pushed out of the market, which is a good thing, because they're no longer contaminating the market, but then the market is very difficult to operate in. Our specialisation is getting people around the table, so competitors and different companies from different sectors of our membership, getting around the table, talking about issues that affect everybody, or even opportunities that everybody could get involved in. And one of our recent initiatives on the opportunity side is to create a, a mobile engagement facility for charities who are running lotteries and raffles under license from the Gambling Commission and so that's now got a good head of steam and it's starting, it's starting to take off and we'll see a lot of, a lot of uh, what are called society lotteries using mobile charging to encourage consumer engagement with the lottery so that's one of our commercial initiatives right. and then we've worked with members on trying to come up with a common approach towards the issues that we've seen across the affiliate marketing and affiliate fraud space because our members are actually being defrauded themselves when they're paying for advertising that isn't actually generating bona fide leads. Now uh, Rory, both you and I, we were in London a couple of weeks ago at the Global Carry Billing event and I heard a lot mentioned about affiliates and indeed earlier in this program you mentioned the word affiliates. Can you just explain to the uninitiated here who the affiliates are and why so many problems originate from that area of the market. Yes, absolutely. Well, affiliate marketing is an extremely productive marketing technique for companies who wish to advertise but don't want to spend most of their advertising budgets on clicks that don't actually generate any revenue. Uh, so banner advertising is good, but you get a click. If the person doesn't want to buy your product, that's a wasted click. Affiliate marketing is that you put your advertising into different websites, so other companies' websites and other individual websites, and a click from that website to your website doesn't actually cost you anything until the consumer who's clicked through to your website actually converts into a sale, and then the affiliate is then paid a fixed amount for that lead, that lead generation, providing it's been a conversion. So it's an extremely efficient marketing tool, means you're not paying until you've actually got a conversion, until you've got income from the consumer. But the other problem is it has created uh, an environment where by somehow or other bamboozling the consumer into clicking through and making a purchase for something that they probably didn't want and didn't really want to make that purchase then causes a post-purchase regret and distress and then the consumer usually phones up the network operator and says actually I didn't, didn't want that purchase or didn't agree to it 
and you get a lot of kids getting involved in being confused into making a purchase. So it's a really good tool, but it is open to abuse, and we have seen a significant amount of abuse. So do you personally spend quite a lot of time dealing with that area of the industry? Yes, we run a group called the Digital Marketing Working Group, and that's predominantly made up uh, from our members who are advertising on the internet and, and using affiliates to try and see how we can deploy techniques to make sure that the click-through from affiliate sites through to our members' sites prior to a sale is a legitimate click-through. The consumer knows what they're buying, they haven't been promised something completely different, that they actually, the traffic is genuine because we have seen what's known as iframe masking, which is a consumer thinks they're clicking on a picture and actually they're clicking the purchase button, which is hidden underneath, so it's masked. So we've seen lots of issues like that. And two of our members run monitoring companies. One's called MCP and the other one's called Impello. And they provide uh, facilities for advertisers to monitor the traffic and monitor the advertising to make sure that affiliate issues, uh, you know, the bad affiliates, aren't actually uh, creating or try and minimise the amount of issues. Yeah, I had an interview with creating. Massimo Cristini, who's the CEO of Blockfraud, and they're doing exactly that. They prevent the iframing 100%. So it is a big issue, really, really yes. big issue. Yes, and I don't think anybody really understands the, the size of the issue. The size of the issue is it actually creates new regulation, and nobody wants new regulation. The regulation around this environment is tough enough when you have new regulation that's being created because of the, the affiliate issues then it makes it almost impossible for anyone to do business. And the harder it is to convert a consumer, which is now where we are in the UK, we've got a hard payment model, which is very difficult to convert even the most willing consumer. Because you've got pin flow. It adds yes. so many extra layers so many in extra the actual experience, customer experience. Right. It puts the customers off. Yes, so spontaneous purchase from a yeah. consumer. People go, actually, no, I don't really want yeah, this. Work, is, this is too hard for me. Yeah. But that also creates a, uh, a, a much higher cost per acquisition. So, so because the acquisition is hard, the cost per acquisition increases, so the advertisers then have a very difficult situation. They gain reduced conversion and higher costs, and they don't want to increase their price to consumers because that will reduce the conversion even more. And so the result of that is you start to get territories like the UK that are closed for a certain style of business. And this is the root foundation of this, is the issues caused by rogue affiliates. Yeah, look at Canada. They don't have carrier billing. Because of these issues, they just don't want to get involved with it, anything like that. So it can destroy whole markets. Yeah. Yeah. Roy, that's about uh, AIM, your organisation, what you're doing in the industry. What about yourself? What were you doing before you got involved with AIM? Uh, right. Uh, well, I used to work for the three network, uh, and I set up the payment services department, which was initially premium SMS and voice, premium voice. I think I was the first to introduce a direct billing platform in the UK, which is known around the world as carrier billing, but in the UK I like to call it charge to mobile because that's yes. a bit more of a consumer-friendly term. And um, so I set up that. I was lucky in a way because we had um, billing infrastructure in three, which was fairly new, so I was able to put 50-character descriptions on the bills so people could see exactly what they bought, how much they paid phone number for support and everything. And you didn't have to pay £100,000 just to change a small element <laughs> in on a bill like mobile operators often have to do. Yes. Yeah, a well-known supplier. I, I, yeah. Yes, exactly. I said, yes, I set it up to be uh, a completely flexible so the seller of the service could actually decide what was going on the bill rather than being forced down a particular track. 
and I extended that platform also to contain some intelligence about the consumer, whether they're prepay or postpay, which is very important for some products, whether they're adults or not adults, which is also important for other products within the same interface. So that was, that was good. And then I started to look at um, the contactless payments to see if we could bring contactless payments into handsets into the UK, which we are now there, but this is like four years ago. And it was sort of very alien technology. Contactless was mainly inside cards, you know, Barclay card and uh, the Oyster card in the, on the tube and buses. Bring it into a phone was quite revolutionary at the time. And I was working with Google Wallet and Samsung handsets to try and merge the two together. Uh, and uh, create a contact, contactless uh, payment environment. I'm not wishing to big up the UK too much, but I know we're fairly developed in this area. I know, so what other countries would you say are a similar level of development in terms of the technology, the services you've mentioned? Are there any other countries around, you're thinking, with the penetration as well of carrier billing that would be a similar level to the UK? I think we've got a, uh, a fairly significant degree of maturity in the UK, both in uh, payments terms, so very high penetration of uh, cards and banking inside consumers versus other European countries. I think with the possible exception of Sweden, who is an extremely advanced in uh, consumer payment techniques, you know, where cash is almost non-existent. Yeah, no. Having spent uh, over a year there, I, I have seen that myself. Right. Yeah. yeah, so you know, I'm proud that the UK embraces new technology and the mass of consumers seem to jump into new technology with great enthusiasm, where it seems to be quite reluctant, uh, reluctant in some countries. We also seem to have, and this may sound completely contradictory with things I say about regulators, <laughs> but we seem to have a fairly pragmatic regulatory environment. Um, versus other countries. So we've seen some really, really tough, unyielding regulation in other countries. The same regulation, even European regulation, where it's applied, is applied in a more pragmatic way in the UK to allow businesses to flourish and to, and to create innovation, which is always very important for consumers. Okay, that's been Rory Maguire. Absolute pleasure spending some time with you. Enjoy the rest of the event and safe travels back to Blighty. <laughs> Thank you very much. No problem. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Look out for more big interviews in the coming weeks. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan, and you've been listening to The Big Interview from Rocco Radio.